Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to LibertyShield.com right now, use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy, Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now... On with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two for the podcast. Today is Wednesday. It is the 10th of January. Hope you're all well. It is grey and overcast today and very, very cold. Says five degrees, feels like minus five. One of them kind of days. Anyway, hope you're all having a good day. Thank you very much for all the feedback on yesterday's pod. And in light of yesterday's pod on Franz Beckenbauer, I'm not going to do nostalgia today because yesterday's nostalgia is going to hold over. Uh, What we're going to do today is I wrote five articles on the EPL Index website, um, basically a team-by-team breakdown of of what I think their biggest need is for this window and what they could do to address it. Now, most teams have multiple needs. I was trying to find one that they could address in this window with a player who, number one, I, I didn't want to move players from Premier League clubs to Premier League clubs. And number two, I was trying to look at things that were, you know, cost effective and the like. 
because a lot of clubs don't have any money to spend in this window. Arsenal at the top end, they're up against the FFP wall. Nottingham Forest down the other end, they're potentially facing a points deduction. We'll find out soon. So I thought we'll have a look around. We'll see who fits who, what needs there are, and, you know, try and put some sensible transfers together. So I did this alphabetically, started with Arsenal and worked through to Wolves. So for Arsenal, the player I landed on was Gift Urban. Now, they have a couple of needs. They need one in midfield, but they really do need a striker who can put the ball in the back of the net. Not necessarily as a starter. I don't think they have to change how they play. I just feel like if they could add a real goal threat off the bench, which I know Eddie and Ketia can be, but I think we have enough for sample size to suggest that Eddie and Ketia doesn't work ideally in the role Arsenal have him in. If Eddie Nketiah went somewhere else, he's been linked to Crystal Palace and started regularly, I could see Eddie Nketiah getting, you know, 15 to 18 Premier League goals a season, playing regularly, 90 minutes week in, week out, as that poacher. Because I think Eddie Nketiah is a good player. I think Arsenal made a mistake selling Balogun in the summer. And I think they need to find someone who they can bring in, develop, but might have an immediate impact. Someone with pace, someone who's got that fox in the box type of approach. And the name I landed on was Gift Urban of Club Bruges. Now, he's not having a great season. He's not playing as well as he did last year. There's a lot more pressure on him this season than there was because I think everybody was sort of looking at this year as if he explodes, he could end up at Real Madrid or somewhere mental. The other factor here is Arsenal do have limited funds. I don't think they can actually afford to buy anybody in this window. Certainly not for anything over, you know, 10, 15 million. Gift Urban, I think, would cost around 25 to 30. But I think Club Bruges would do a loan with an obligation to buy in the summer. And the reason that kind of deal might work for Arsenal is they could bring him in now pay for him in the summer, and then in the summer you sell Nketiah, which recoups that money, and you're at zero cost. Now, in the short term, it might be a sidewards move, though I do think Urban will be more impactful off the bench. But long term, I do think he has a higher upside than Eddie Nketiah. I think Jesus, in general, has been very good for them. And I think he's vital to how they play. And I wouldn't want to lose what he can offer in the build-up because they already struggle to build up through midfield with Rice being so limited in that role and Odegaard having to drop quite deep to make up for that. So then Jesus has to drop a bit deeper to make up for the fact that Odegaard is not where they want him. If you lost that, you'd have a really disjointed attacking group. So you can still have him as your starter. You get Gift Urban. He can come off the bench. He can play when Jesus is not available. And you can develop him. And potentially, if he was to go on a similar type of development curve to what Martinelli found last year, well, then he could usurp Jesus and he could become a 60, 70 million pound striker. He could become a 20 goal a season striker. And all of a sudden, Arsenal would look a lot better. And especially given, I would imagine in the summer, they do want to address that build-up through midfield. So I expect a bid for Martin Zubimendi in the summer. Whether they can get him or not, I don't know. I don't know if he'd leave Spain. Certainly not going to leave this month. In the summer, he might be able to be convinced, especially you know considering uh, Arteta has decent ties to, to Spain, obviously. Um Moving on, Aston Villa. They don't have many needs. They've got a really good goalkeeper and a really good number nine. They've got an outstanding double pivot. They have a very, very talented group who play in the three behind Ollie Watkins. You've got Bailey, you've got Diaby, you've got Ramsey, you've got McGinn, and you've got Zaniolo. So I don't think they need to address that area. Potentially, they could look for cover for for Kamara, but 
feels like they have other things they could do first. Because then Donker's not dreadful. It's not great, but he's not dreadful. Defensively, I really like Esri Kahn's at right back. He's a good centre-back. I think he's a really good defensive right back. Comfortable on the ball as well. So he helps with your build-up. I really like how Pau Torres has settled in and how he's been playing. I don't like the left-backs, but they're not going to address left-back in this window, in my opinion. They've already got Dinia. They've got um, Moreno. I don't think they'll buy another one. What I think they should do is think they should buy a centre-back. I think they should tell Clement Longley, thanks, but best of luck. I think they should move Diego Carlos into the third centre-back kind of role and really the fourth centre-back because I would play Conza over him and just bring Matt Cash into the team. But I think a starting centre-back next to Pau Torres. Ideally, someone with some of the same traits as Diego Carlos, that aggressive front-footed style. You want someone with more pace because if you get someone with more pace, it allows Torres to cover across to the left, which makes the defensive deficiencies of those left-back options less of a problem. Villa have owners with deep pockets. and They're ambitious. <clears throat> and right now they're second in the league. So if they want to really go for a place in the Champions League, and obviously they're trying to win the Europa Conference League as well, I think this is an area they could spend a significant chunk of money in. Emery has spent less than 100 million net since taking over. And look at what he's done. In comparison to some other managers around the league who've spent four and six times that amount and haven't improved their teams nearly the same amount. I think Jean-Claire Tadebo is the perfect fit for this Villa team. I think if you were to go Conza, Tadebo, Torres and either of the left-backs in front of a really good goalkeeper with an outstanding defensive midfielder in front of them, I think you would become potentially an elite-level defence. And they've been great going forward this year, but they have been a bit leaky at the back. I think Tadebo solves that problem for them. I think he's available. I know Nice are in a battle for top four. But I think Villa could go and get to Debo, and I think he'd jump at the move. I think he wants to come to England. He knows the opportunity is there. He knows that the money is going to be a lot more than he's on at the moment as well. And with, with the greatest respect to Villa, he also knows that if he comes to Villa and he really shows what he can do, the top clubs will show interest. The Bayern Munichs, the Liverpools, the Arsenals, the Cities, the Uniteds, the Chelsea's, the Real Madrid's. He's not going to go back to Barca after what happened the last time he was there. But <clears throat> I think he could use Villa as a real springboard to the elite eight or nine clubs in Europe. Now, Villa themselves, they want to become part of that group. And, you know, if you were to say you've got that defensive diamond, which is goalkeeper, two centre-backs, defensive midfielder, of Emmy Martinez, who's one of the five or six best keepers in the world, to Debo, who, if you're picking a European team of the season right now, he would be the other centre-back next to Van Dijk. And Kamara is one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. And Pau Torres, the other centre-back, is really, really good. That's a really strong unit for Villa to build off. And add in Watkins up front, and all of a sudden, and obviously Douglas Louise is the other centre-midfielder, that spine starts to look really, really strong. So I think John claude Tadebo fills a significant need for Aston Villa. I think he's a big upgrade that they can realistically make. On to Bournemouth. Yes, you're third, Bournemouth. You're not first. AFC Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon. AFC Bournemouth doesn't fool me. You're Bournemouth. And you're pretty good. You've been really good for the last couple of months. I'm not a huge fan of the goalkeeper, but he's solid. I don't think the goalkeeper market is, is flush at the moment. So 
I think it will be hard to find the right keeper for them in this January transfer window. If you've got a good right back, a good left back, a good right side centre back. Your left side centre back options are decent. I think it's something you'll need to address in the summer. I don't think it's something to address now. You do need help in midfield, but help is coming. Tyler Adams will be back. Hamid Traore will be back. You'll be okay in midfield. You've got good wide options. You've got good number 10 options. You've got a good number nine. What you don't have is a good backup number nine. And you don't have someone who supplies goals from the bench. And I know it hasn't worked brilliantly at Leicester, but I think Pats and Daka could be the player that makes the most sense for Bournemouth. They tried to sign him in the summer. Deal fell through on deadline day. He's been pretty much on the periphery at Leicester this season. Has been back in lately because Vardy got injured. But I reckon there's a deal there to be made for him. And if I was Bournemouth, that's probably who I'd go for. Uh, Moving on to Brentford. Their season's been destroyed by injuries. I think they need a centre-back. Again, I don't think the market is there for them to go and get the centre-back that they would want. There was one name that came up, but I preferred him somewhere else. And I didn't want to do the same player for it, for any, you know, any two clubs. I also tried to avoid, <clears throat> well, actually successfully avoided any Premier League to Premier League moves here. I didn't want to take someone from one club and put them somewhere else and then create another need at the first club. So going through the Brentford squad, the biggest need for me now is the same as the biggest need they had in the summer, in my opinion, which is fullback. I love Aaron Hickey. Rico Henry's an excellent player. But that's not enough. You can't just have two. And now they're both injured, so you have no fullbacks. I think Kyle Walker-Peters is a perfect fit for Bournemouth. For Brentford, rather. I think he'd be a good fit for Bournemouth, but they've got a good right back. I think Walker-Peters just fits like a glove. And... I think it works for them long-term because Henry will be coming back off an ACL. Walker-Peters, you won't want to overplay him, but he can play both fullback spots anyway. But if you could get, say, 26, 25, 26 starts out of Walker-Peters in the Premier League at right-back, the same from Rico Henry at left-back, and then have Hickey playing the rest, So he gets 12 or 13 at right back, 12 or 13 at left back. He's obviously naturally a left back, but he's comfortable on the right. But if each of them were getting, you know, 25, 26 games, plus then the cup games, I think you can manage them. I think you can keep them happy. I think you can develop Hickey and potentially then sell him on, which is probably the plan. But Walker, Peters and Henry, I think can be just long-term fixtures there. So I think Kyle Walker-Peters, who's far too good for the championship, would be a very sensible move for Brentford. Now, will Southampton want to lose him in January? Probably not. But it wouldn't surprise me if there's some sort of clause in his contract that if the right bid is made, he can go. Uh, Moving on to Brighton, another club that I think need a centre-back. I think they could use help in midfield as well, but with Motor back from injury now, I don't think they'll address the midfield. Uh, it does look like Barco is a done deal. So he'll be another body in midfield, can obviously play left back, can play left wing, can play right wing. He's potentially the rich man, Solly March. You know, a versatile, do everything kind of player <coughs> with great potential. Centre back is, is the area I've been looking at for them for a while because Dunk has been poor this year. Webster's been terrible. I'm not a big fan of Van Hecke, and Igor hasn't settled all that well. But I don't know that Brighton will find a player that fits their criteria in this market at centre-back. And I was looking at their squad, and I just started to think, if they could use Veltman at centre-back, where he played many times for Ajax and has international caps in that role, I do think it could get them out of the mess that they're in at the moment defensively. Not every game, 
I wouldn't be playing Veltman at centre-back every game. But I do think he's lost a step at full-back and become a little bit of a defensive liability. So I thought, let's replace him. He can become part of the centre-back rotation. You patch that together till the end of the season. And in the summer, it becomes very obvious what you need to do there. So at right-back, a player I've suggested for them before, now a player that they might be about to lose out on to a rival who've been linked since I wrote this, Ronnie Edwards of Peterborough. I think from a profile point of view, he fits perfectly as a right-back in this Brighton team. I don't think you'd find a better replacement for, for Veltman. I think he'd be a significant upgrade on what Veltman was once he gets a year to 18 months of Premier League football under his belt. So Ronnie Edwards is the one I went for, for Brighton. Um, for Burnley, I've said it all along. What they need is they need someone that can put the ball in the back of the net and someone that can organise the defence. The issue for them is they're in such a hole here. It's going to be really, really hard to convince the ownership to spend the type of money that would be required to get the type of striker that they need. Because it looks pretty much like they're going down and they're not even going to put up a huge amount of a fight. So I thought, okay, let's let's try and fix the problem at the other end. Let's find someone, a senior type of centre-back that can come in, be a leader and an organiser, cost-effective and available. And there's not many out there. But the name I came up with, and it's not a pretty signing by any stretch, and he's not a player I'm a particularly big fan of. But I was, I was looking at Craig Dawson, and I was thinking, you know, like a yard dog like Dawson who'd come in and just boot people and, you know, talk to the younger players. So I considered Michael Keane, but again, I didn't want to move Premier League player to, to another Premier League club. So I thought Connor Cody. He only joined Leicester in the summer, but he's not getting his game there. And at Connor Cody's age, he probably wants to be playing regularly. Plus, remember, Connor Cody was a regular in the England squad when he was playing Premier League football. So with European Championships around the corner, if Connor Cody is playing regularly in the Premier League, Gareth Southgate might be open to bringing him back in because he likes having him in the group, which I'm sure Cody is aware of. But when Connor Cody is playing in the Championship, or more to the point, not playing in the Championship, he's not going to get a look in. So I think he'd be up for the move. I think he makes sense in that you could bring him in on loan. Maybe you do an obligation to buy if you stay up. I think Connor Cody, from a leadership and organization point, makes a lot of sense for Burnley. He's not the best defender in the world. I'm not suggesting that he is. I don't think individually he's a better defender than what they have. I think he can be a more valuable defender, though, with that experience, with that leadership, with that organization. So that's why I've gone for him. <laughs> Next up is Chelsea. The best thing Chelsea can do this month is nothing. Nothing. Stop spending money. Buying a bunch of talented players and throwing them together does not make a team. You have to build a team. You have to work on that. You have to take time and show patience and find partnerships, find units. You don't just continue to throw good money after bad. They've already wasted significant amounts of money. The best thing that they could do is nothing. And that's what they should do. I know their fans are all excited that they might sign Osman. I, I don't see it happening, lads. Nor should it at this point. In the summer, maybe. Maybe, but here's the thing with Victor Osman. He's 24, 25 years of age. He's only really had one elite season. And I think he's brilliant, but he's only really had one elite season. But he's very, very injury prone. 
And when you've already spent big money to bring in Nkunku, who's now on his second injury since joining and the first one kept him out for four months, do you really want to have both parts of your attacking tandem be injury-prone players? I think the best thing they can do is continue to try and build this group into a team. And then in the summer, you reassess properly. So nothing. Um, Crystal Palace, they are being linked to Ronnie Edwards at the moment. I think right back is their biggest need. They've got a couple, but right back just continues to scream to me. Because you can't be playing you can't be playing Joel Ward and Tanya Klein in 2024. So I prefer the, the Ronnie Edwards fit at Brighton. The fit I think is perfect at Palace is Sasha Bowie of Galatasaray. I think if you put him at right back with Anderson, Gwehi and Mitchell in front of Dean Henderson or Sam Johnston, but I, I do prefer Henderson, I think that's a very good unit. You'll get Dekure back for next season. You've got Lerma there. That's a really good base to build off. Then you've got Eze, you've got Elise, you've got Matthias Franca. I think they'll buy a striker in the summer. They might buy a winger in the summer. I think Sasha Bowie makes them a more complete team, a much stronger defensive team. And he's the type of player that's young and will have good resale value. So he makes sense there for me. For Everton, Everton's hard because Dyche likes to play the same players week after week after week if he can. Doesn't like rotation a whole lot. So I'm looking at the squad and thinking centre midfield, they've got a bunch of bodies up front. There's not enough goals, but they've got a bunch of strikers. I don't think they'll address centre-back, even though I I wouldn't be against the idea. But you're looking at bringing in a backup centre-back. Those can be tricky enough to find. I I like the full-backs. I like Patterson. I like Michaelenko. I think both of them need to improve, but I do like the, the bones of both of them. I think Ben Godfrey should get more minutes at centre-back, even in just in a rotation role. So I was looking at the attack again, and I thought, well, there's rumours that Danjuma's loan is going to be ended and he's going to go back, which will leave them a little bit light. And then the only two wide players at the club are McNeil and Harrison, so maybe a winger. So I thought Jack Clark from Sunderland, but I don't know if he'd be willing to make that move considering he likely wouldn't be first choice. So I landed on Samuel Illing Jr. of Juventus, who is available, has been linked to moves in the Premier League, can play both flanks, can also play centrally, which gives him the versatility that Dyche might like. I think he's a player with a high upside. I think he'd be affordable. I know they haven't got much money to spend, but I think he'd be an affordable piece of the puzzle for them. And I'm pretty certain Juve still owe them a significant chunk of the Moise Keane money, somewhere between 8 and 12 million. So maybe they could get Illing Jr. in without actually having to physically give any money. You just put it on the books as a 12 million um, purchase. Juve'd be happy enough with that. They get to write it off as a £12 million sale and don't actually have to physically give Everton any money. So maybe there's something in that. Um, For Fulham, I kind of went with the obvious one. I think Andre just fits and works there. I think he fits a need in midfield next to Paulinho. Someone that can be the primary source of your build-up play. I think age, potential, the whole lot, he just fits into what they should be looking to do. They seem to be at a bit of a standoff right now with Fluminense over the price. My guess is it gets resolved later in the window and he ends up at Fulham. I saw a story that they'd walked away from it, but it was from a spoofer, so I don't believe it. I I think they're posturing. They want to pay somewhere between 20 and 25 Fluminense want 30. I think they come to an agreement uh, between now and the end of the window. Uh, We'll take our first break and we'll be back. Right, welcome back. So, on we go. Liverpool. 
they need a holding midfielder. The ones they likely want are not going to be available in January. They need a left winger. Again, the ones they likely would want are not going to be available. And Luis Diaz has shown signs of life in the last couple of games. They need a centre-back. But again, the ones they want probably not going to be available at anything resembling a realistic price in January. And they need a left-back who can play as a centre-back in a back three when they have the ball. That's the easiest position to fill because Giancarlo Inacio has a buyout clause. Now, you would have to pay the buyout clause, but that deal is there to be done if they wanted to do it. Now, he might not be the player they want, but I think he is an obvious fit for them. I think that's a sensible move. Uh, Luton, I had Ben Brereton-Diaz before he joined Sheffield United. I just kind of felt like they needed an extra bit of punch up front and he would have been a good fit. Unfortunately, that's no longer an option. Uh, Manchester City. They won the treble last year. They don't need much. With Calvin Phillips likely to leave, I think the logical thing is cover for Rodri. And ideally someone who's stylistically more similar to Rodri. There's not many players like him. He's quite a unique footballer, both from a technical and talent standpoint, but also a physical standpoint. You just don't get many players that are his size. Now, this guy is not his size, but he is his height, and he could fill out. And skill set-wise, I think he replicates a lot of what Rodri does well. Federico Redondo, son of the great Fernando Redondo, I've looked at him for two years now and tried to work it in my head that I could, that Liverpool could go and get him. And at one point, stylistically, I did, did think it makes sense. It, it no longer does. I do think he's more suited to being a La Liga defensive midfielder than a Premier League defensive midfielder. But if he goes to City and he sits behind Rodri for a couple of years and he develops and he grows then I think he'll be a Premier League. I think the issue with him now is is just that the physicality might not be there. But at City, he's not going to play all that often. Rodri will play every game he's available for. Redondo is a better stylistic fit as a backup for him than Phillips was. And with Kovacic and with Nunes brought in in the summer, like it's not like they need him to play regularly. So... They've been busy in the Argentine market over the years. Obviously, they signed Alvarez. Echeverri is on his way at some point. I think Redondo makes sense. Even if they wanted to buy him and loan him out to one of their other clubs, I think that makes sense. So I've gone with him. United. I mean, I don't know how much priests cost, but they could do with getting in a team of them. Uh, some to perform exorcisms in certain parts of the stadium and training ground, some to, and, and some of the players, some to just, you know, bless the players, some to hear confession from the players. Like a team of priests is really what's needed here. But there's also a bunch of players needed here. Now, I think if you look at their squad, the most obvious need is they need that midfield connector. The, the role that, Ten Hag, I think, had in mind for Frankie de Jong. I just don't know who you buy for that role in this market in January. I think the players you'd be looking at, they're all going to be close to 100 million, you know? I think Frankie himself, if he became available, would be close to 100 million in this market. So where else do they need help? Well, centre-back is an obvious one. When when Johnny Evans and Slabhead Maguire have been your best centre-backs in the Premier League season, that's clearly an issue. Varane is obviously a tremendous player when fit and engaged. It just doesn't seem like he's engaged all that often, and the manager doesn't seem to fancy him all that much. I like Lindelof, but he's a third centre-back at best. 
I'm not a big fan of Martinez. He's too small, but he is going to be in the team when the manager gets him back fit. So I thought, right, you, you buy someone to go next to him. Someone that's got some aerial dominance, someone that can play out from the back the way Ted Hag wants them to. Maybe someone that he's got a connection to, someone that, you know, maybe he shares a similar club with if he hasn't managed them before. And I think Matthias De Ligt makes sense. I think Bayern would cut and run on him immediately if they had the chance. He's had some injuries. He's never really developed the way he should have. He's been up and down for Ajax. He was up and down at Juve. He looked like an absolute star in the making when he was at Ajax. It just hasn't it just hasn't worked at these other clubs. Part of it is the injuries. He had the shoulder issue at Juve, then he had a knee issue at Ajax. At Bayern, he's had an ankle issue and a couple of other things. But he is still only 24. So he does still have a lot of runway ahead of him. And I do feel like he's well suited to the English game. And if you went Delow, Delict, Martinez, Shaw, it's at least the foundation for something. Is it ideal? No. Is it the finished product? Definitely not. But it's better than what they have. I think Matthias Delict makes sense. For the tune, the obvious thing for them to do is to upgrade on Fabian Shari. No, they've given him a new contract. That doesn't change anything. They've got their long-term right back in Livermento. They've got their long-term left back in Lewis Hall. They've got their long-term left side centre back in Sven Botman. What they don't have is their long-term right side centre back. Now, this guy is expensive, but he does have a buyout clause. It's 70 million. It's Usman Diamande of Sporting. And with his profile and his pace, I think him and Botman would be phenomenal together. I think they'd fit together absolutely perfectly and give Newcastle one of the best centre-back pairings in Europe in two years' time. Both young, both with huge, huge potential to develop even further. Both already outstanding. Botman, as I've said before, for me, the best centre-back in the league last year. I think Diamande is the closest. Because I was looking at who would fit with with Botman. And I was looking at Premier League centre-backs, like who would fit. I was looking, And the obvious one is, the obvious two are Saliba and Kanate. And I prefer the Kanate Botman fit. So who's the closest thing to Ibu Kanate? Usman Diamande. I think that's a pairing that works. I think that's the foundation of a title winning team, especially with Livermento at right back and Hall at left back. I think that completes their long term defense. After that, any defensive moves you're making, they're only going to be for depth or to future-proof yourself. Because you'll still have Trippier, Shar, and Dan Byrne as veteran cover. And Shar is still good enough to start. I just think you would want to be looking at replacing him as a starter from next season on. If you get Diamande in now, he can have that settling in period and next season he's ready to go. Uh, for Nottingham Forest, their goalkeepers are dreadful. Odysseus, I always thought he was a pretty good keeper. He's been he's been really poor for Forrest. And Matt Turner is clearly not the answer to any question you should be asking. They have to be really careful with FFP. So the obvious one for me is to go to PSG and ask for Kaylor Navas again. He was there last season. He knows the club. He's still, even at 37, a reliable, solid goalkeeper, a significant upgrade on what they have. And he's had a contract in the summer. So if you could, you might be able to get him for a nominal fee. 
You might be able to get him on loan for six months if PSG just don't care. And then re-sign him in the summer and then look for your long-term fit as a starter behind him to develop and then take over. I think Kaylor Navas is the one that makes sense there. For Sheffield United, Ben Britton Diaz helps, really helps up front. You put him and Cameron Archer together, I think that's going to be pretty good. I quite like the midfield group they've got with Hammer, McAtee, uh, Vinicius Sosa, Tom Davies, if and when he gets fit. You know, there's a there's a solid group there. They could do it help at wing back, but I don't think they're going to bother. They'll get Norrington Davies back. He'll help. I think centre back is just this is the obvious need. Ahmed Hodzic is the only centre back at that club who's anywhere anyway near good enough to be playing in the Premier League level. And frankly, by the, by the time they go back into the championship, if they do go back in the championship, I'm not even sure the other players that are there it's at centre-back are going to be good enough for that level. It, they're so, so poor in defence. I think the one that makes the most sense is Jacob Greaves of Hull. I think he's a perfect fit. He can play in a two. He can play in a three. He can play middle of the three or left side. So you've got him and Ahmed Hodzic and Austin Trusty, I assume, would be the third one. I'm not a big fan of him either. But I think in a three, he's okay. You play Greaves in the middle. So he's good in the air, good in the ball, reads the game well. Ahmed Hodzic to his right, Trusty to his left. I think that works. They do need a goalkeeper as well, but again, I just don't see the market at the moment to, to find a goalkeeper because the difference with Forrest is, because any of them could go for Navas, the difference with Forrest is I think Forrest are more likely to stay up. So they're looking for more of a short-term, let's just keep ourselves in the division type of goalkeeper. With Sheffield United, because the likelihood is that they go down, I think their best move is when they make a move for somebody is to look to bring someone in that can help them long-term. I think uh, Brereton Diaz, even if they go down, I do think they might be able to keep him for one more season and help them get back up. With Jacob Greaves, I think they could keep him if they went, went back down and be in a position to bounce straight back up. Um, For Tottenham, they're busy this month. They've brought in Timo Werner. Radu Dragazin is getting done today, I believe. So... They're addressing major issues, a lack of depth up front and a lack of any depth at centre-back. Which means midfield becomes the issue. Basuma and Sarr are outstanding together. Both have had really good seasons. I've seen Spurs fans complain that Basuma hasn't been as good since the first red card against Luton. On the ball, I agree. Defensively, I still think he's been tremendous. I really do think he's been outstanding. The issue for Spurs is when either of them are absent, the midfield dynamic changes. I really like Benton Kerr, but he's a totally different player. And he slows them down a bit. Hoysberg's a he's a good player, like he is. But he's not suited to how Ange wants to play. Ollie Skip is technically limited, so he changes things as well. Even though he can play the high-tempo, ball-winning role, he's not quite good enough. Ishmael Akone of Watford, I think, is a perfect fit. I think you could play him with Basuma or with Sar because Sar can become the more six of the two. Kone is a do-everything, all-action, box-to-box, dynamic player who I think fits really well into that mix. Canadian international, if you're, if you're wondering. So he's not gone to AFCON because that's one of the issues they have. Both the starting midfielders are gone to AFCON. West Ham, I think right back. There's been some talk that Sufal is not happy with the extension that was done to his contract. He wants a new contract. He wants more money, etc., etc., etc. I think Lurcherel Gertruda of Feyenoord is the perfect fit there. 
he's a really, really good footballer who can play in a bunch of positions. And with Tilo Career gone, they are a little bit light in defence. So he could be a starting centre-back and he can be covered centre-back and he can play holding midfield. I don't think he'd be overly expensive. I think he's a great fit there. Last but not least is Wolves. The ideal player for Wolves is Amin Guri. I think. I think if you put Guri with Cunha and Neto and Huang and you're rotating them, I think he fits hand in glove. Unfortunately, he's gone to AFCON. And one of the reasons they need an attacker in is because Huang has gone to the Asian Cup. They've loaned Kalasic, they've loaned Fabio Silva. There is talk of Danny Ings. I don't really like that move for them because I think you have to shift Cunha to play in a wider role. But as I was looking at, at Guri, I was looking at the Rennes squad and Talamundo was there. And he's been linked to Eintracht as well. Now, at time of writing, nothing had even begun in terms of negotiations, but he was been linked to them. I don't know what's taken place since. But I feel like he'd be a great fit for Wolves. He's young, he's got huge upside, can play through the middle, can play wide. I think Wren would take a loan with an obligation to buy, similar to the deal they did for Cunha last summer, or last January rather, and bought him in the summer. I think Wren would do a deal like that because Wolves are, are tight for finances as well. Um, Wolves are really up against the wall for FFP. I feel like that's the type of move that would really suit them and him. I think if you put him with Cunha and with Neto, that could be electric. So that's who I've got for them, Arnaud Calamundo of Wren. And that's it. So I will take another break. We'll come back. Little bits of news and we've got the gossip. So I will see you after this. Right. Welcome back. So uh, Mark Overmars suspension from holding a post in Dutch football has been extended to a global ban by world governing body FIFA. An independent Dutch sports tribunal banned Overmars for two years with one year suspended in November of 2023. The punishment followed his sending a series of inappropriate messages to several female colleagues while he was director of football at Ajax. He left his role at Ajax in February of 2022. The fact that it took from February of 2022 to November of 2023 for any punishment to be doled out to him is ridiculous. He's currently the technical director of Royal Antwerp. So I'm assuming now he's going to have to resign and either go on leave and then he can come back at whatever point this ban ends or he should just be out of a job. I don't think Mark Overmars should be working in football at the moment. Um, Not without some serious counselling and making amends, frankly. When he left, he said he was ashamed. Uh, certainly for someone in my position, this behaviour is unacceptable. I now see that, but it is too late. I have no other option but to leave Ajax. But he joined Royal Antwerp not that long afterwards, so I don't think he really had time to uh, to learn from his mistakes. A really good piece here about Harry Tofolo talking about his gambling problems. Uh, he was given a suspended five-month ban in September for 375 breaches. Now, if I'm Ivan Tony, I'm probably pissed about that, but it is what it is. Uh, you don't want to see players getting banned either way, but it, it's just strange that there was, you know, one outcome for one and another um, another for this. Lucas Paqueta could be out for at least two months with a calf injury. Uh, the Brazilian suffered a reoccurrence of the issue in Sunday's FA Cup draw with Bristol having initially been injured against Arsenal at the end of December. Two months without their best player, that is a huge, huge blow. He is so good. And obviously they're without Kudus now because he's gone to AFCON. So a lot of pressure now falling on Jared Bowen, especially with Mikel Antonio still out. They have been linked with Steven Bergvine. They've been linked with Jack Clark. I'd prefer the Clark fit. 
But at the same time, I'd, I'd maybe be looking at bringing in a striker and going Bowen right, Kuda's left, Paqueta as the 10 when they're back fit. But if you want to commit to Bowen up front, I think Jack Clark is the one to go and get. Uh, a supercomputer has done the predictions for AFCON, which is set to begin on Saturday with Ivory Coast taking on Guinea-Bissau. And it has predicted Senegal as the most likely winner, 12.8% chance of them winning. Then Ivory Coast, then Morocco, then Algeria, then Egypt, Nigeria, Cameroon, Tunisia, Ghana. Ghana very low considering how much talent they have. Mali, 3.7%, considering, again, a lot of talent in that squad. Uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, South Africa, Burkina Faso, Guinea, Zambia, and Cape Verde. Uh, Those are the countries they believe have the chance to win, from 12.8% for Senegal to 0.9% for Cape Verde. Uh, I'm looking forward to AFCON. I think it's going to be a really good competition. Uh, On to the gossip. Before we get to the actual gossip, we'll have a quick look at the timelines of some of the um, transfer journalists. Obviously, the real transfer transfer journalist is David Ornstein, who has reported that Luke Ayling was set to undergo a medical before completing a loan from Leeds to Middlesbrough. He is joining Borough on loan until the end of the season. His Leeds contract runs out at the end of the season, so his time at Leeds has come to an end. Uh, Tottenham have reached total agreement with Genoa to sign centre-back Radu Dragazin. Offer was accepted overnight. I believe it's £27 million plus Jed Spence on loan till the summer. It's a really good deal, I think, for all parties, including Jed Spence. And his latest is Jaden Sancho expected to travel today ahead of joining Borussia Dortmund from Manchester United on a straight loan for the rest of the season. Anticipation is that the winger will undergo a medical and sign for Dortmund in the next 48 hours. Package worth minimum of 3.5 million to Manchester United. Of course, United are still going to be paying Sancho 200 grand a week to play for somebody else. So the package is not actually worth anything to United. Uh, It's just saving them. It might save them three and a half million in wages. That's what it might do. It might save them three and a half million in wages. There's probably a, a million, million and a half loan and Dortmund are probably paying, you know, about two million towards his wages for the rest of the year. That's probably the most likely outcome. Um, we'll check in with Mike McGrath and see if he has anything new for us. Newcastle have made a Dominic Solanke inquirement. Inquirement? Yeah, that's the right word, isn't it? It is. Inquiry is probably the better word. Uh, Burnley looking at a deal for Gersinho Nyamzi. Gersinho Nyamzi. He's a centre-back. Came through the Wren Academy. Playing for Strasbourg. 6'5". I mean, don't know much about him. Uh, Size-wise, you'd certainly say that would help because they are really poor in the air defensively. But again, I kind of feel like someone, a talker, maybe, maybe that's him. He's 26, so maybe that's him. Maybe he has that leadership in his game. Um, can't imagine he'd be cheap, though. Don't know that Strasbourg will be willing to sell. Uh, Fulham likely to miss out on Serhu Garassi, which is a shame for them, considering they do definitely need to add a a striker. They need goals in their team. Uh, We might as well check in with my best friend, Fabrizio Romano, and see what the latest is from him. Uh, Bournemouth are pushing to sign Oscar Zambrano as today there have been new talks between the clubs. He's 
a huge prospect. Freiburg and Stuttgart also interested. Luton were strongly interested. That would be a great signing for Bournemouth, especially you know with Adams not back yet. He, they they will need someone in the short term. Uh, Nordi Mukieli remains very keen on joining Bayern as negotiations between Bayern and PSG continue. Um, Mexican wonder kid Alex Alcala will join the City Football Group. City Football Group bought an option to pay, buy this player from LA Galaxy in 2020. Uh, long-term deal approved and completed. Doesn't say which City Football Group he would be joining which city football group team he would be joining so they probably figure that out later uh city finding new and exciting ways to skirt the ffp rules by signing players to companies rather than to clubs pretty certain that third party ownership which is what this actually is is not legal under fifa's rules so maybe that's something to look into uh radu dragas and medical test took place at tottenham ground as you will sign the contract soon 60,000 euro a week contract. That's pennies for such a such a talented defender. Um, Ronald Arejo, who's been linked to Barcelona, linked to Bayern from Barca, has said that his only focus is on Barcelona. It's a privilege to wear the captain's armband. I feel the responsibility. Uh, medical tests completed for Ian Matson at Borussia Dortmund. I really like the idea of Matson and Sancho as a left side. Now, foolishly, he has agreed to sign a new deal at Chelsea till 2027 with a release clause. And Dortmund will have not an option, but they'll have the priority to buy him in the summer if they want. So it's just about Chelsea. Chelsea have basically said, look, we're going to let you go in the summer, but we want to get money for you. That's basically what's happened here. Um, Bayern's first official bid for 16-year-old striker Jonah Kasai Asir has been rejected by AIK Solna. Four million proposal, not enough to agree, as they want six million to make the deal happen. PSV and Club Bruges also in the mix. Um, <laughs> Jaden Sancho liked Fabrizio Romano's tweet, uh, saying, "Here we go for his move to Dortmund." Um, Leonardo Bonucci is on his way to Istanbul to become a Fenerbahce player. Just a short-term deal till the summer. And uh, looks like Thiago Jallo is on his way to Juve. So, we'll finish with the gossip. Ajax are interested in signing Jordan Henderson. The masters of the beautiful game, signing a footballing terrorist who treats a football as if it were a hand grenade. Magnificent. The fans will hate him within a week. Aletifak will not be pressured into selling Henderson in January or allowing to, him to leave on loan. He is set to have talks with Stephen Gerrard and sporting director Mark Allen. Manchester United winger Jaden Sancho will return to Dortmund, yada, yada. Uh, PSG president Nazir Al-Khalifa wants Kylian Mbappe his contract runs out in the summer to stay. Uh, I imagine he does, considering the amount of money they spent on him and the fact that they could now lose him for free. Nemanja Matic is unhappy at Ren and wants to return to the Premier League or he could retire. Nemanja Matic should retire. If there is options, he should retire because he can't run anymore. So he's been really, really poor for Ren. He was really poor for Roma last season. He was really poor for United in his last two seasons there. It is time for him to move on and do something else. I think Nemanja Matic could be a really good coach. So I think it might be time to look into that. He, he can't move anymore. He could play for another couple of years in a different league, not in the Premier League. So if that's his option, it's time to retire. PSG are working on a deal to sign Joshua Kimmich. I'd be surprised. Newcastle will reject any January offers from Paris Saint-Germain for Bruno Gomes. They can't reject if his buyout is paid, but his buyout might not come in until the summer. Uh, Felipe Coutinho, who's on loan at Al Dual, could join into Miami. I doubt it. Cole Palmer, 
wanted to leave Manchester City on loan last summer, but was told he could either stay or be sold. So he decided to be sold. Fulham are monitoring Azad Alkmaar and Greece striker Vangelis Pavlidis, who has been watched by Chelsea, AC Milan and Barcelona. He'd be a really good fit. He was second on my list if I wasn't going to put Andre there. I'm really impressed by him whenever I watch him play. He's just a proper goal-scoring nine. Leicester City manager Enzo Morasca wants to sign Stefano Sensi from Inter Milan. I really like him. Juventus are planning to meet with Samuel Illing Jr.'s representatives to, si- to discuss a new contract. Last week he was available for sale. So I put him in that piece. Barcelona have paused talks over the future of Joe Felix. Not surprising. Tottenham want Hayden Hackney, who has also attracted interest from Man City, Man United and Liverpool. Hayden Hackney's really good. He's a Premier League player next season, regardless of whether or not Borough come up. That's it, folks. That's all I have for today. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.